We're continuing on with Galatians chapter 5, verses probably 1 to 8 today, if, if we go on pace with the morning class. But um, a lot of good stuff here on, on um, the freedom of a Christian and what the, uh, the free, the, 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 what freedom looks like in Christ Jesus. And um, I think this is such a, uh, this is such an important, uh, man, so important in terms of uh, our, our life that we live right now. Um, how St. Paul will definitely give us a distinguish a distinction between uh, the life of the freedom of a Christian versus one who is bound in the yoke of slavery. So uh, why don't we start here with a word of prayer. Dearly Father, O oh Lord, we thank you for this night, for bringing us safely to this time. Lord, bless us by your word. Uh, lead us in your wisdom. Grant us the continued faith. Uh, for this word, as we meditate upon your word and study your word, uh, may this be a blessing to us as we continue to grow in the one true faith. Bless us this night. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So, Galatians chapter 5. Why don't we turn there real quick? Uh, again, Galatians chapter 4 was the, uh, the continued... Uh, it was the, the allusion to Hagar and, and Sarah uh, with the law and the gospel and how the children of promise versus the ways of man, the manifestation of that and the results of it. Uh, but now um, in his uh, letter to the Galatians, uh, he is now uh, speaking towards that children of promise and what this freedom is. Why, doesn't, why don't someone read uh, verse one for me? Verse one. Sure, I can do that. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. All right. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> I was drinking water. <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry. For freedom Christ has set us free. Now, <coughs> uh, what is freedom? Uh, simple stuff here. But what is freedom in Christ? What does that mean? Not being bound to sin and the consequences of sin. Yes. Uh, so the freedom of Christ, not being bound in sin and the consequences of sin. Um, sin, death, and the power of the devil. The, the true picture of bondage, of course. Um, you know, what, what is the difference, Don or, or Jeff? Or Ken, I know Ken's there. I don't, I don't know where, maybe he's not there. But um, what's the difference between the version? Uh, what's the world's definition of freedom? Uh, what's, what's our definition of freedom as children of the faith? Uh, what, what's the difference there? Okay, I'll start with the world's definition. All right. Uh, the perceived ability to do whatever you want to do. Wow, that's... That's right. Uh, and how is that different from the freedom in the faith of Christ Jesus? You, I, I think you pointed it out perfectly, uh, Don. You said, you said, we have the freedom to do whatever we want to do. Now, when we talk about the freedom of, uh, of being in Christ, it's actually the, the opposite, isn't it? 
is that we realize that we are bound and that we do not have the ability to be free without Christ. Oh, Sheldon's here. Okay, great. Does that make sense? It's like the human freedom is uh, uh, like, yeah, we, we get to do all these things and we have the freedom to do these things. But when we, as we talked about, uh, as you just mentioned bondage, we very well know that we do not have that freedom as we were born into sin ever since the fall. Uh, and we need to attain that freedom, not attain, I guess, but it is given to us by the one outside of ourselves. Now, that, that is a, a very uh, interesting view of freedom comparing the world versus those of the faith in Christ Jesus, right? That our freedom is, is more of a, a spiritual realm of being bound in sin, death, and the power of the devil, and being set free by the work of Christ alone, right? And when we talk about freedom, what is the manifestation of that freedom in Christ? What is that freedom in Christ? It is simply being free from death, eternal death, free from eternal condemnation, right? Uh, uh, being given the forgiveness of sins, uh, eternal life, uh, salvation, right? Um, all these things are uh, gifts uh, of the freedom that is given to us in Christ Jesus, the redemption and justification, right? We're talking about justification time and time again. Uh, evening, Sheldon. Evening, uh, Ken. Um, well, good to see you guys here. I know I was in, in mid-sentence mid or paragraph or page. I'm not sure. But uh, uh, thank you for joining us. We're just on Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 here, about freedom of a Christian and what that looks like. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, after I went to Doxology, I know, uh, which is a great program in Kansas, uh, the other Hawaii, as many would call it. Um, <laughs> oh, that's what they told me. I'm kidding. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, yeah, you know, I know one of the, the instructors, a pastor out of Michigan, Pastor Fleming, he said, you know, he kind of brought up the illusion of, of, uh, you know, uh, talking about your, your, your first love, right? Uh, he brought this illusion out in a movie. I, I forgot what movie he thought of, but, uh, oh yeah, A Walk in the Clouds. Remember that movie? I don't remember it, but I've never seen it. It was too romantic. It came out probably when I was like in high school and too like, you know, too romantic for me, right? But it was about this man who was kind of, or this woman or man, I'm not sure, who was dwelling upon the first love of his life. And he would think about his first love like time and time and time again. And it, it, I guess uh, why Pastor Fleming brought this up was, is that wouldn't it be nice if we just simply had that same meditation upon the love of Christ and what he has done for us? Like... As I told the class earlier this morning, if we could make a log uh, of what we think about, I mean, you know how many decisions we make per day? We make around almost 5,000 decisions per day. Do you know that? 5,000 decisions. I mean, not big decisions. Sometimes it's like, what do I want to wear? What toothbrush am I going to use? Well, I guess that shouldn't be a choice. Um, <laughs> or what food I'm going to eat. Right? All these decisions. And it can get very, uh, what's the word, stressful, overwhelming. We're just inundated by all these things. And we're meditating on all these things. I mean, if you took a log on 
on what you're meditating upon. I mean, what are you meditating upon? And I, I think this is in this day and age where we talk about being free. I mean, to meditate on the freedom in Christ Jesus. You know, I, I catch myself all the time. I, I know in my devotion this week, I talked about how, you know, Abe was, um, he was pretty, um, you know, when Sunday night hits, he's pretty bummed. We're watching Sunday night football and he's just sitting there like, eh, right. Uh, because he's like, what's wrong. And he's like, Oh, it's Monday tomorrow. I'm like, I know what you mean. Um, it's my day off. Nice. Right. <laughs> he's like, No dad, it's school day. I'm like, Oh, but I just kind of said, you know what? I know I get it. But remember, remember who you are. You're a child of God baptized in Christ. God forgives you of all your sins and you're, you are his own. And I know there was just that moment there where it reminds me of this verse. Like you are, we are free. Like we meditate on that reality, the promise that God has given to us by his grace, that we are free. Free by his word, the word made flesh, Jesus Christ. And what a great uh, meditation that is. Um, Luther would write this in his work. Listen up here. It says, uh, Luther writes, In this freedom, he teaches us we must stand strongly and steadfastly. Because Christ, who fulfills the law, has overcome sin for us, sending us the spirit of love into our hearts of those who believe in him. This makes them righteous and lovers of the law, not because of their own works, but freely because it is freely bestowed by Christ. If you move away from this, you are both ungrateful to Christ and proud of yourself, since you want to justify and free yourself from the law without Christ. This is the yoke of slavery, as one believes he can achieve justification by their own works. Now, in terms of the freedom that he is talking about here in chapter 5 of Galatians, again, this is all about how we are free. Uh, the Judaizers say what? That we are free by the works of the law, right? Now, Luther writes here in that paragraph that I just read you that we are lovers of the law. Are you a lover of the law? Now, what does it mean to be a lover of the law? Um, clearly, uh, being a lover of the law... Um, because of the freedom that has already been given to us. That loving the law is not because we want to be saved by the law, but because we are already by the gospel uh, forgiven of our sins in Christ Jesus. And there through the gospel, we see the law in a totally different way. The bondage has been, has been destroyed. And no longer are we burdened by that very law, but we become lovers of it. Not in a legalistic sense, but in a, wow, I get to love my neighbor. What a great victorious life I have already in Christ Jesus. I'm set free already. And, and what a great way to love the law uh, or to love my neighbor through the law. Um, and, and Luther writes in that, in that cautionary warning, he says, if you move away from this, you are both ungrateful to Christ and proud of yourself. That means when we think that we could save ourselves by our works, what happens? We become smug and proud in our own self-righteousness. I mean, I don't know how easy, how subtle that is uh, for all of us. Uh, we can become that morality police and say, look, Sheldon, Sheldon might say, look, I'm such a good Christian. What about them? Right? Why can't, 
I'm glad I'm better than them. And, and again, this is where that arrogance and pride comes in. Uh, uh, thinking that we somehow played a part in the freedom uh, uh, that we have in Christ Jesus. And, and this is the deception, right? Freedom only comes um, uh, in the work of Christ to overcome sin for us. And therefore, when we speak of the law, it is not that we are fulfilling it or penting up our own measure of self-righteousness, uh, but rather uh, it is the law to which we say, yeah, simply, I'm already there, right? How, am I, how is God going to use me today to love and serve my neighbor as a child of God, right? Um, totally different burdensome, free way of doing things in the life of faith, right? I have to remind, I don't know about you guys, but I have to remind myself that every day, every, actually not every day, every moment, uh, because I know the tension to which we can, we can confuse these things as if we're still under the yoke of slavery. Uh, that's when we have to go back to the gospel and the freedom that he gives, Okay. Um, yes. All right. Uh, verse two, if someone could uh, read that for me. I got it. Mark my words. Right. Chapter five, right? Right. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Mark my words. Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you all. Period. Yes. So, so what is he? What is he saying right here, guys? Uh, uh, look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be no. What does it say? What did you say, Sheldon, in your translation? So, mark my words, Paul. Tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you all. Period. All right. No value to you. Uh, no advantage to you. What does? What is Saint Paul saying here? What is Saint Paul saying? Yeah, mine says no value to you at all. I'm sorry, Don. You, you corrected me. I got the same version as you. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> um, but, but when we speak of circumcision and um, the advantage right here in verse 2, uh, if you accept circumcision, what is he saying about that? If you accept circumcision, what, what does that really mean? Simply. You accept works and, uh, you know, obeying the law by works and trying to earn your way by works and Christ will be no advantage to you. It's all of our, 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 our save, our save, our, our save, our grace is through Christ. So we're not, you, you can do all these human things and follow all these laws, but it's not going to do you any good. So when we, so Ken, when we think that we are doing the works of the law for righteousness, for, for meriting salvation, I know we preached on that tonight, uh, very similar to what we're studying today. Um, in the same way, we, we turn away from the cross. Like when we, you know, that's the thing. You know, I think when we even bring that little much to the table, that little much, it's a different, it's a different, 
It's a different faith. If you believe that you bring something to the table for your justification, it's, it's not, oh, well, you know, we all believe in the same God and, and we believe in Jesus and all these things, but I just bring this little extra, you know, this additive to the table. That's a different faith. You say Paul does not blend. He's not playing the diplomatic uh, 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 part where he's saying, oh, okay, you could have your little thing. Uh, as long as you believe in Jesus, you could have your little thing, right? He, he very well knows the danger of falling to legalism and works because when we trust in our works, we no longer trust in Christ. When we, when we, when we think our works are advantageous, no longer is Christ advantageous, right? And, and we see that it's black and white. There's no, there's no gray. There's no middle ground in a sense where we can have uh, the best of both worlds, right? Uh, simply put, a Christ will be of no advantage to you. Now, why is that dangerous? Why is that, like, red flag, stop, do not accept circumcision as your, as your way of, oh, good, they're here. I was worrying for a second why would they were taking so long. I know they were at church, so I'm like, <laughs> I hope they got them safe. <laughs> but anyways, uh, but... Yeah, Christ will be no advantage. Uh, if you trust in your works, you will not trust in the work of Christ. It, it, it's just a reality. Uh, it's only Christ. Only Christ. It's not Christ plus works gives you salvation, right? It's only Christ. And that goes back to verse one about freedom. You know, if you think you are free, by what you have done, you'll realize at the end of the day that you'll always wonder if you've done enough for that freedom. Have I given enough? Have I committed myself enough? Have I done enough? Do I measure up enough, right? All these things when in fact we'll never know. But for us, when it's only Christ, there is freedom already by his death and resurrection, by the word and sacrament, baptism, Lord's Supper. We very well know that we have that objective truth delivered to us by his very word, right? Uh, uh, so, so again, uh, as we see right there uh, from verse one to verse two, that there is that danger of the yoke of slavery, that when we accept circumcision, we also accept that yoke of slavery, right? Um, and um, yeah, I mean, can the law, uh, can we cleanse our guilty consciences with the law? Can we cleanse our guilt with the law? And the answer is no. No, right? Um, but do people in this world think they can if they do enough good things? Can they like just mentally tell themselves, look, I'm not so bad? There are, right? there are, there are religions based on doing good works. Right. So it's... And we don't have a problem with good works. Like... No, I, lo I love doing good works, not for salvation, but, but as a fruit of the spirit, right? It's not to save myself. It's not to prove anything, but rather out of, right? But for them, it's, this is salvation, the works, right? That's what world religion is. So, and that's the yoke of slavery. Um, yeah, well, hopefully for us, it's the word comes in. Your, what comes in goes out, what comes in goes out. That's right. In terms of our works. So. That's right. Very good. Um, 
Yeah. So again, circumcision, whether it's circumcision or the works of the law, or in this day and age, uh, just that whole negotiation we have with the Lord, transactional, as Don would always say uh, about our faith, uh, that people see our faith as transactional, 50-50. And that is uh, no advantage to us because we're believing in a different Jesus after that. Right? We're believing in a different Jesus. Um, All right. Verse 3, if someone could read that. I can. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. Right. I know in the sermon I, I, I brought up the anvil. The anvil. Um, the anvil. Anvil? Anvil. Anvil. Anvil? Anvil. The That's anvil. Funny. So, um, you know, in the cartoon, Jeff might know because he's in kind of in my age range. Kind of. Ken's uh, the one that makes oh. the cartoons. <laughs> I love, I love, I love putting anvils. I use the Warner Brothers anvil in almost all my cartoons. Right. So there but you no. go. So, so Roadrunner, right? Roadrunner yeah. and Wiley Coyote. The anvil would what? It would fall down from the cliff, and Wiley Coyote would be like destroyed by it, right? And yep. uh, when we talk about the anvil, uh, this is what Saint Paul is doing in verse three. He's bringing down. Uh, uh, evening, Carrie. Uh, good to see you. Uh, thank you for joining us here. Uh, but we're on chapter five of Galatians, verse, verse three. Okay, uh, we're talking about the freedom of Christ, and now we're talking about those who follow the law. If they are accepting circumcision and the works of the law, he is obligated to keep the whole law. So, uh, that anvil is dropped because can someone keep the whole law? Yeah, that's the thing, you know, I, I think kind of growing up with legalism, you know that anvil really well. You do. You, you, you know it really well. And it's very... Uh, you know that uh, uh, you, you can't, you just can't, you can't do it. And uh, when St. Paul says it right here, well, if you're going to follow the law, follow it perfectly, uh, go do it. Like he's, he's crushing them, trying to show them what? Trying to show them their sin for what it really is. If you think you're going to be saved apart from Christ, what you're saying is that I can overcome sin in another way, not Christ, but in another way. And, um, and at the end of the day, it is in themselves. They think they can overcome sin themselves. So St. Paul is saying right here, you go do it, go do it, right? Fulfill the whole law, keep it. Let's see how far you go. And for us, how far do we go for keeping the whole law? Can we, I mean, how many steps do we take? You can be honest or not honest, but how many steps do we take in terms of keeping the whole law? I don't even think I can move. I don't know how many steps I would take, but definitely, um, nope, failed, 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 right? It would just be a constant failure because I know that I fall short in my sin. And and this is, I think, St. Paul really showing them the full brunt, the anvil of the law, right? He's doing the Wiley Coyote, just this weight of sin, just crushing them, showing them, look, you fall short just like me. 
right? We heard in the, the text today uh, uh, of Philippians, right, in the sermon about how he had the pedigree, but yet all of it when he, when he knew Christ was all about loss because nothing of this world could ever save him. And rightfully so for these Galatians, they were struggling with this reality that they could actually save themselves when in fact, nothing of pedigree, no work, nothing of self-righteousness. Well, if if that is the case, they ought to keep the whole law. And if anyone is honest with themselves, they cannot, right? Um, All right. Uh, Verse uh, verse four, someone could read that. Verse four. Sure. You who are trying to be justified by, the, by law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. All right. So, so when, we, uh, you know, when we talk about verse 5 um, or verse 4, um, I think another, another translation would be uh, you, are, you are severed from Christ. Right? Not alienated, but you are severed. Now, you know, this is kind of like a play on words with circumcision. You know, you're cutting, right? Severed, cut, circumcision, cut, severed. Trust in that cutting, circumcision. You are also cut away from Christ. And, you know, St. Paul is not mincing words here, right? Um, if you think you could be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. Now, what is grace? What is grace? What's the definition of grace? It's the un- good. Yes, it's forgiveness. Um, it's uh, the undeserved gift, right? It's the undeserved gift. Uh, and when we talk about undeserved gift, how does that compare to the law of self-righteousness or law to save? Those law and grace do not fit in the same sentence do they or they don't fit in the same definition do they um uh, we cannot be saved by the law and at the same time be saved by grace it just doesn't work does it saved by the law saved by grace those things are two those those are two different things and, and therefore if you think you are saved by the law you you cannot be saved by grace because you think you could save yourself uh, and that you deserve by your merits the, 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 the salvation for your soul. Um, and that's where grace is severed from you because you don't believe in that, right? And, um, you know, and, and this is the subtle thing. I mean, for all of us here, I know we all obviously know what grace is. Sheldon said the forgiveness of Christ and we are forgiven by our Lord. Um, but I, I think what we can apply here from the Galatians is this sometimes we know the grace of God, but yet we can try to subtly add to that. And that is something that I think all of us are, are tempted by the devil who says, look, Ken, you can do some more to earn some more badges, right? (laughs) Come on, Jeff, gain some more stars. Come on, Don, get some more. Um, what's after badges and stars? Um, Get something more on your resume, you know? I mean, come on, Don. You know, you can, you can do more than that, right? I mean, God wants, God, God wants you to do more. And if you don't do more, then, well, then you're not running the race and you're not measuring up. And 
and you're not saved and you're not forgiven and you're not a child of God, right? And, and it's so easy because this is the way of man, right? As uh, uh, Ken talked about earlier, world religion. You got to get something, to, to get something, you got to do something. And that's the natural human condition of man. So it's so important to, uh, uh, to, um, and that's why I always say, you know, when you're, whenever you're listening to uh, like Christian radio or televangelists, always just listen carefully and see where is Christ? Is it for me? Uh, uh, or is this about what I have to do? And that's, um, I think, wow, we see Carrie like omnipresent here. That's amazing. Two places at once. Anyways. Um, oh, she's gone. Oh, man. Maybe I'm just saying things. Anyways, but, um, but yes, uh, so this is what St. Paul is doing. A grace and the law do not mix, do they? Uh, verse 5, quickly, verse 5. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of, right, of righteousness. Okay, so on the flip side, through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves, as children of God, eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. So what that means is not just any hope, but a true hope of righteousness, which is Christ Jesus himself, right? Uh, but when we speak of waiting, we're not waiting with our own works. We're waiting with eager anticipation with the already finished work of Christ. That our hope, the object of our hope, is the righteousness of Christ. That our righteousness is derived from his body and blood shed for us on the cross. Um, that our hope is uh, given to us by the Spirit who created faith in us, that faith which is Christ, uh, that has given us that righteousness. Freedom, verse 1, of a Christian. Yoke of slavery, no longer. Um, victorious life, you already have. Um, yes. Uh, it says right there, oh, oh, sorry. It says right here, um, okay, yes. Uh, oh, wow. Oh, okay, yes. All right, so uh, it says right here, Luther also says, uh, pertaining to verse 4, uh, Therefore he who believes in Christ empties himself and becomes disengaged from his own works in order that Christ may work in him. But he who seeks to be justified by the law empties himself of Christ and becomes disengaged from the works of God in order that he may live and work in himself. That is, in order that he may perish and be destroyed. So uh, what a great, man, this is so great, in a sense where uh, the, how Luther really does clearly show us what it means to, um, uh, I know this is verse four, sorry, I, I just had to read this quote. But uh, what happens when we trust in our own works? We disengage from God and the works from God. And we become smugly, smugly? Smugly hearted? No. We become smug, right, uh, in our hearts. As if we and our pride and our works have actually brought something to the table, but rather it's leading us to perish, uh, being perished and, and, and destroyed, right? Uh, but those in Christ. Those who believe in Christ, what is our life? We empty ourselves and become disengaged in our works. What's the same, what does Luther mean by that? He means 
that no longer is our work a way of self-righteousness or justify, justifying us by the law. That we're not engaged, we're not engaged uh, in the motive of trying to do this for ourselves. Right? Telling someone about Jesus is not to put a badge on ourselves. Look, Lord, at the end of the day, how many people I've saved, right? Or how many people I've talked to about Jesus, right? It's not about that, right? It's simply about the joyous life that God has given to us in our being, Carrie. We are always talk about being. But in that being, it is God who's working through us. We're disengaged. It says we're, no, we're not bored or we don't want to do it. That's not what I'm saying is that our motive is not to uh, live for ourselves, right? And for our salvation in a sense where I have to do this to be saved. But rather it's Christ who's working um, uh, uh, through us uh, by his very word. And and that is a very big difference from the self-righteous. The self-righteous have a motive of what? I gotta be good. Gotta bring the polish out, the, the wax. You know, like you wax a car, you make it all shiny and perfect. I gotta present that to the Lord. And if, I, if there is even a smudge on there, I'm in big trouble. So we're going to try our best to be good, right? Um, and that is where we live for ourselves, And that is destruction, right? Because our goodness, our holy without blemish, you know, majestic splendor, Ephesians 5 stuff, uh, we very well know that is the bl- blood of Christ that covers us. Present the church, right? The bride without any spot or blemish. And, and this is... Um, uh, this is where our Lord um, really shows us what it means to be in Christ Jesus. So verse five, sorry, uh, through the Holy Spirit, we see right here. Um, yes, uh, we hope, um, we eagerly await that hope of righteousness. Um, we're not uncertain, right? We're not uncertain. It's not an if, right? It's not an if, it, it's a for sure. Can't be righteous, you know, uh, Don, um, Don. Yeah, you too. You're righteous. Um, Sheldon, all of you. Right? So, so the two words in there, wait and hope. Wait, the word wait to me suggests you don't have it yet. Um, and the word hope means, when I think of hope, hope is not assurance. So I'm... Yeah, you know, I, I think when we talk about faith, I think I said it before. I think faith and hope are very similar in nature. Faith and hope are very similar. Um, Waiting for that hope, you know, when we wait in eager anticipation, we are waiting, as we always say, uh, in the now. We, We are living in the now, but are waiting for the not yet. That means we, we have been given the victory in Christ Jesus, but the final culmination, the final fulfillment will be had in his return. But it doesn't mean that we don't have and obtained uh, that gift of salvation um, in Christ, right? Um, Carrie, question? So I, no, I have a note that says, believers await the full realization in heaven of the present gift of justification. So it is a present gift Yes. But we await the full realization of it. So now, okay. it is now. It's, it's given, and it's real, and it's promised, and it's done. And assured. And, and assured. Uh, it's just it's not fully realized to us yet. 
Well, I look, well, I look at the word wait as being more, more of anticipate. Yeah. Um, he's also preaching to people that don't have the faith yet, too. He's trying to teach people at this point still. Yeah, he is definitely trying to teach them about what this faith life is all about. Um, um, but yeah, I think uh, the key right here is that how are we waiting uh, in a sense of this life of faith? Again, we talk about this whole set. Uh, verse 1, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. It is in that stand freeness or stand firmness of the freedom of a Christian that we continue in the spirit as we eagerly await uh, for the hope of righteousness. And um, yeah, you know, I think that that whole idea of the now and the not yet, the final culmination as we await presently in the victory of the promise of Christ, that's the race that we are running, which I know we're going to talk about in a little bit. But is, is anticipate a good word for that? Um, I'd have to look at the Greek word here. I know it says, uh, um, oh man, I, I don't know this word. Because to me, uh, anticipate also. Because to me, anticipate means that I'm waiting for something, but I know what it is. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, you know, when we talk about St. Paul in a, as a whole, you know, he always talks about running the race, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit uh, in verse 7. But um, I think that ho that whole section will probably illumine what we're talking about now. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's that uh, – uh, I think that hope is not something that we are wondering will happen, but rather that hope and faith um, – very similar. Hope and faith are very similar in nature, in a sense where uh, there is that sense of trust in the one outside of ourselves uh, to fulfill the very promise that he has given to us uh, through the victory of the resurrection. So that final culmination in his return, uh, that is what we are eagerly waiting for, um, because that will be the final culmination of all things that shall come to pass. Um, yeah, well, uh, why don't we continue on here? Uh, verse, verse six, verse six. For in Christ, neither circumcision nor non-circumcision have any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love, period. All right, so when we talk about working here, uh, faith working through love, the agapes, right? The agapes, I think, uh, it's that, um, yeah, the agapes. The, the love of God. So when we talk about faith, the pistis, uh, uh, working through love. Uh, yeah. Um, what does faith working through love look like? What does that, what does that look like? What does faith working through love? The love of God. Um, you know, bound in our works, the workings become our undoing, the undoing from the faith. If we're bound to our works, then that is the undoing of the true faith, as if we have to save ourselves by our works. 
Now, it says right here, not circumcision or uncircumcision. That is all kind of legalist. You know, you have to do these things uh, to be saved. Uh, but rather, it is faith working through love. Now, that love is the love of God. That faith works through the love. Now, when we talk about uh, uh, our work as Christians, it is not to justify ourselves. But in this life of faith, through the love of God, that is where we are called to work, right? Uh, uh, to empty ourselves, right? To disengage from that self-motive of what do I get out of this? Simply just saying, look, God calls me to love. That's what I do, right? Not, not for my own benefit in a sense of my salvation, but simply the opportunity to love and serve in the victorious life that he has already given to me. Uh, and that faith working through love, that faith in Christ, the love of God, this is uh, totally different. It's a totally different portrait than one who thinks they have to save themselves by works. Our work is, is definitely completely different than one who is bound by legalism, right? If Carrie does some good work, uh, she, uh, her neighbor who is, let's say, a self-righteous folk might say, um, oh, good one. Good one, Carrie. You got a check mark in heaven for that one, right? Um, uh, you know, you're going to be on the upper tier. Yeah, third level stuff. Third level stuff, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, um, but, you know, it, it can become very, but here we see faith working through love. And, and I think that faith working through the love of Christ, through the love of God is, is vastly different than the working of the circumcision party, of the Judaizers, of those that think that they need to do the work to save themselves a very different picture of what this life of faith is all about, right? Because our faith is in the love of God. And that is where, um, uh, that is how we uh, proceed. Um, so yes, uh, yeah, I know in our Lutheran study Bible, in the footnotes, it says, uh, Luther writes in, uh, I think, volume 35, he says, it is impossible for it not to be doing good incessantly, Right. That this is the life of a Christian, right? Uh, to continue to love and serve uh, in the joy of the gospel. What a great gift that is. Uh, not to justify, remember. Anyways, uh, verse 7. Verse 7, why don't we read that? We'll, we'll, this is our last verse for today. Verse 7, if someone could read that. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? All right, so I brought up uh, Jesse Owens this morning and... Um, Ben Johnson, no matter what you think of Ben Johnson, he was fast, steroids or not. Um, <laughs> Carl Lewis, uh, Usain Bolt, uh, all these guys. Oh, Jackie Joyner-Kersey, right? Yeah. Jackie Joyner-Kersey on the other side? Um, I think that was the Seoul Olympics. That was a big one, 1988. You know, as a little boy from immigrant parents, that was a big thing. Big thing. Big thing. Um, anyway, sorry, sorry, sorry. Anyways, uh, my point is, is that when you're running, uh, I think Nancy brought it up this morning, Don, but when you run, are you allowed to cut in lanes? Are you allowed to cut in to someone's path? Is that allowed in, in running or racing? Is that when you're if running? You're, if you're doing circles, you can... Yes, if it's not if it's not a straight sprint, right? If you're running 
so many laps, then yes, you can run into the other lanes to get into the inside lane eventually. Oh, my question is, can you break their stride? No. Like, because That's it's all about strides in, in running, right? You're not running uneven stride, strides, are you? It's like short stride, long stride, short stride. No, you're running one stride, right? So I, you know, I, I love horse racing. Um, I'm no gambler, but I, I like watching the ponies, just majestic creatures running so fast. Um, dangerous sport it is, right? But why do they always get DQ'd? Why is there a DQ? Why is there a disqualification? Because the horse cuts in on the stride of another horse. Now, why don't they allow that? Because it's completely dangerous. I mean, I don't know if you've seen it, but have you ever seen the, the jockey fly off the horse and there's five horses that all fall at the same time and it's just such a dangerous thing? So my point is, is that this is the picture that St. Paul is showing to us. We're running stride by stride in our faith, right? Running the race, even strides, boom, boom, boom. And then all of a sudden, this road runner is coming in and disrupting our stride, right? And changing the course to which we are running. Right, so that's the picture. I think, I don't know if you could sense that picture, but when you're running or seeing a horse race, you very well know what I'm talking about. Uh, uh, that is not allowed because it breaks stride. And when you break stride, that is a big no-no, I believe. I'm trying to make my point here, so I'm believing that's true. So <laughs> my point is, I know it's true in horse racing. I'm not sure in running. I know you can switch lanes and everything, but I don't think you're allowed to break their, like, you're not allowed to like break their stride, I don't think. Anyways. That's a moot point. But this is the picture. You were running well, right? And that running is a athletic, what is it? It's that athletic imagery. Um, and I, I think even amongst the philosophers of the time, that was also used as an expressive form of how we reach the goal in life. Like even the philosophers would use that athletic imagery. Um, but yet in that consistent journey, as they're, you know, if you're a trotter or a pacer, Anyways, uh, <laughs> um, as you know, because trotter and pacers, their, their legs go differently, either this way or, anyways, we're not, this is not horse racing class. Anyways, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, if someone breaks stride and it is hindering you, uh, what does it say right there in verse seven? It is, um, yeah, uh, you are running well who hindered you from obeying the truth. Uh, we very well know that when someone causes you to break stride, that is a great disruption. And this great disruption is from obeying the truth. That is the anticipation uh, of the life that is to come in Christ Jesus. Um, so I think um, St. Paul really is fleshing out the danger of the ones who are disrupting them from the truth of the gospel. Right? And this is, I think, a very important thing because what do I say to you guys all the time? Actually, I probably don't say it enough. Be careful what you read. Be careful what you see. Be careful what you listen to. And discern, discern, discern. Decipher, 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 comparing it to the scriptures. Right? Don't think that just because it sounds good, it makes sense, and I believe it. But rather look at the scriptures and, and really investigate what does this say? What does it mean? Because there is that subtlety of this Christian life where even Christians will fall to the 
bondage of subtle slavery, right? That subtle yoke that is actually very magnified and very destructive. You know, that, that whole, well, I got to do this now. Jesus did his part. I do my part. And that is a prevalent, that is prevalent in Christianity, right? Um, and that's not the running well we're talking about here. That I got something, Pastor. Yes. You know, just, just hitting on this thing, the, these were really tough times for these people. And the people that felt they were running well with the law, all of a sudden there's this Paul that's tripping them up. And they're looking at Paul like he's the one that's tripping them. You know what I mean? Sure. So you got to remember, these guys are going, who is this guy? He's tripping us up. We were running so well with the law. So these were really tough times. It, it was. It, it, well, we see in verse four, I think, uh, we see in verse four or verse three about how he kind of challenges them to keep the whole law. If you think you could obey the law, keep it all, right? Keep the whole law. So, you know, he, he, he has to trip them up in a sense where, well, he's not tripping up because it says right there in verse seven, you were running well. That, that's saying that you were doing, you had that correct faith. But then these guys come in and, and break your stride break your rhythm and pattern of the faith. And, and now you're going off the road, right? Now you're, uh, now you're uh, obeying uh, the anti-truth, right? So th this is uh, St. Paul coming in, trying to bring them back onto that pace yeah. of the faith, that stride, right? Just constant in the word and sacrament. And, and, and there he's trying to bring them back because he's showing them that this path you're going on, this breaking stride that you're going on is actually going to destroy you. And um, again, he but does. Once again, looking, looking back on this, we should be really thankful that we didn't live in these times and reflect and look back on what these people were going through because it works both ways. Yeah, but Sheldon, I mean, honestly, we look at this day and age and we, it's still here. It might not be circumcision, but it's, it's a lot of other things too, right? Uh, that whole, the feeling, like I feel that I'm with God. Or that whole divine, if there's a God out there, there's a divine being out there. Me and him have a special relationship, right? Uh, it's, that's all legal. That's all law. That's all works. It, it, it's all there. It, it manifests itself in so many different shades and colors that uh, we still, it still plagues humanity today, uh, thinking that we can attain. People don't want to hear the anvil, right? I mean, people don't want to hear that they're sinners. I mean, when, when you call people, someone a sinner, they're very offended. Uh, you don't know who I am. They get very offended. But yet, when we look at the works of the law, we very well know that uh, we, we, we very well can't keep it. Uh, we're sinners. We're born into sin. So this is something I think that uh, St. Paul is trying to get them back on course uh, because they broke stride. And now when, when you see a horse break stride, they don't continue. They don't. In a race, they veer off to, I'm not, I know I'm talking about horses. You're like, dude, pastor knows too much about horses. What's his deal? Anyways, but horses veer off to the side and they're done. They don't like, well, they try to gallop back to the thing, but it's too late, right? And the jockey says, give up, we're done. And that's the thing, right? It's not like, oh, we're just going to get up back on the saddle and, and run the race again. And we're going to, you know, we're going to be fine. No, when you break stride, you're, you're hobbling. I, I, I don't know if you've seen a horse break stride, but he's hobbling off the road, off the track, and and they're done. They're in last place, and, and that is the danger 
of, of, of breaking away or being severed from Christ. It is that pace, you know, that pace of faith that is severely cut and there our stride of faith is broken and, and we veer off on that hobbled path, which whether we know it or not, if it's by the law and the yoke of slavery, that is the path we go on. So it's only Christ, only Christ, only Christ. Um, and uh, I say that because we are surrounded by moralism and we're surrounded by a world that's saying, you know, in so many different ways, you got to do something to get there. And we hear it everywhere at our workplace, on the radio, in our homes, in our books, right? Everything is about, I mean, I heard one of my pastor friends saying, this world, why are we surprised? It is anti-Christian because it is born it is because of the fall that we are separated from God and we live in a dark world. I mean, this is no surprise. Like, this is, this is the reality of the human condition. So again, you know, I think that's, that's something that we continue to really strive uh, as we run the race in the love of Christ and what he has already done for us as we run and endure to that crown of righteousness. So living in the now and the not yet, the victory of Christ, no longer yoked in slavery, but, but free as we stand firm in the promise of God. There we go in that running of the faith, right? Um, so yeah, be in the word. Hear the word. Receive the gifts. Feed, 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 feed. Right? Feed, 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 feed. Um, and what a great feeding that is. So um, all right, we'll stop there. It's way past Sheldon's bedtime. You got another hour. <laughs> <laughs> but uh all right why don't we uh, why don't we close with a word of prayer why don't we close uh, dear other father we thank you for this day O oh lord for the gift of your word we know uh that by your grace we are saved lord thank you for your grace for without your grace we would be left in great despair bless us in your righteousness lead us in your hope and lord may you grant us faith as as you lead us to run this race enduring and persevering in the one true faith. Grant us your wisdom and faith, not being hindered by any other way of man, but solely residing and abiding in your truth. May this word dwell within us this night, and may you give us your peace. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.